Yeah, Lord, we, we pray in the name of Jesus to the Father by the Spirit, and we praise you, Father God. We praise you, the Son. We praise you, Spirit of God. One God from all eternity to all eternity who deigned to create something that wasn't God, to make something that you didn't need, you didn't have to create, because you weren't lonely, you had no needs that we could make, but out of your love, you created a world, a universe, and you populated it with a people who even though they turned their back on you, you loved them, you came after them, you sent the Son and then the Spirit to bring that wayward world back to you, to love us back to heaven, to love us back into your family. And we thank you, Lord, that from the start, you've had a great destiny for your world, which you created. Despite all the waywardness, despite what we see in the headlines, you have a plan to bring all things together again under Christ in a world which will one day know no more tears, no more suffering, no more death, no more decay, but will know your glorious reign and rule and presence forever. Lord, we praise you as Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, forevermore. Amen. Amen. Well, please take a seat. Good morning, everyone. Good morning again to those of you who are watching online. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We've already said good morning, actually, to the online congregation and visitors this morning, but good morning once again, and good morning to all of you here in person. So lovely to see you. Hey, uh, who was here for Glocal last week? I know Luke mentioned this already, but who was here for Glocal last week? Here's a couple of pictures, if you weren't, or just as a, as a reminder. Um, it was fun, wasn't it? Discovered a few talents in the team, like Richard Miller, uh, Man of many talents. And of course, Charlie, who is here. Oh, look, cast of thousands. Couldn't thank everyone uh, by name, but, but thank you to everyone who's involved. Uh, here's another little pic, just to refresh our memory. A little bit hard to see there, isn't it? But the kids look so colourful. It was wonderful. Hey, uh, if you missed it, um, I'd really encourage you, go back and watch it on YouTube. Uh, watch the service. It was not only fun, but it was also inspiring. We had our guest speaker, Jackie Gray from Alpha Crucis uh, University College, uh, who, who brought just a, a really wonderful sort of um, unpacking of uh, the story of Acts, the, the early story of Acts, and then shared from her own experiences uh, in Turkey. And gosh, there was a powerful sting in the tail in, in what she shared last week, wasn't there? With um, uh, Anyway, I won't spoil it for you. If you haven't watched it, uh, do, do watch it online. Now, um, let me ask you something, just between us... Uh, no one else needs to know. Do you ever feel like, um, well, apart from everyone who's sort of out there in YouTube land, but do you ever feel like you're, you're a different person slightly in different settings? Like you play different roles in, in different circumstances. Maybe you're with one social group and, and you feel like you're kind of, you act a certain way and then you're in a different, do you know what I mean? Different social group, different friends, different at home with family, for good or ill, Right? Then you might be uh, at work or at church where we all put on our happy, smiley faces. Is that, or is that just me? It might just be me. Anyway, 
Well, obviously, um, this is true of me because the team here, the staff team, have, have got me all figured out. If you're new or visiting, I've just been in uh, leading the team here at New Vine uh, for less than six months even, but the team's got me all figured out already because now they know to say to me, when there's an event or something coming up, they know to say to me, and I won't mention any names, Jill, so it's okay. Uh, oh, poor old Jill gets, but she says this so lovingly too, and she's, yeah, she's wonderful, Jill. But anyway, um, they say to me things like, okay, DJ, today we need fun DJ, not serious DJ, fun DJ. Or, or sometimes they say, uh, they say, they, they say, today we need inspiring DJ. Inspiring DJ. And last week for Glocal, it went something like this. Okay, DJ, today we need fun DJ. Then we need serious DJ. Then we need inspiring DJ. And my head was spinning because apparently I've got these multiple personality DJs that... Anyway, one of my kind of multiple personalities, uh, as some of you are aware, is, um, I don't know what to call it, maybe theatrical DJ, you wouldn't guess it right, but theatrical DJ. Some of you know that um, I used to sing a bit, but what not many people know, so just keep this between us, so it's not really that cool, but one thing that many people don't know is that I was once in an opera with the Australian Opera. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, it's mostly true. Uh, it was a student opera. It was part of their development program when I was in high We didn't perform at the Opera House, you know. But we did perform in a lovely sandstone church. Anyway, uh, and also I didn't have a very big part. It was, it was a bit part. I was in the chorus and all, but I did have one line. I had one line. I still remember it to this day, all these years. <laughs> no, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. Oh. It's been a long time. It's been, a long, it's been decades, in fact. I walked into that, didn't I? Uh, I haven't warmed up. It's been a long time. You don't know. Did anyone get any fillings in their teeth this week? You might just want to clamp down. Don't want to shake them loose. Uh, well, all right, here we go. I might put the mic down a little bit for this. Remember the lines? Right, here we go. Each one carries a sword, each in his hand, mighty victorious. Something like that anyway. <laughs> if I'd have known, I'd have warmed up a bit more this morning. Uh, anyway, there it was. Uh, so I, I, I just had this one line and I was, I was determined to deliver it with passion and purpose and and uh, energy and all of that. And uh, do you think I, I nailed it? Yeah, actually, it wasn't too bad. The practice uh, sort of paid off. It, it was better than just then anyway. So uh, as you'd hope, right, after that. Uh, anyway, my one line, so proud, right? Uh, but that one line was important in the story in its own way because that line helped make sense of the next part of the story. And it wasn't much, it was just those kind of couple of phrases. But that's the thing I love about the theatre. Anybody else love going to the theatre or being in the theatre in show drama or musicals or whatever? The thing about it is that everyone has a part to play and every part matters. Every part is important. Whether you're in the chorus or you're a dancer uh, or you're uh, in the orchestra, you're a costume person or a hair, makeup, wig person, whatever it is, all those parts matter. 
Because those one lines or that particular part of the set or that particular costume helps tell the whole story and it helps the audience make sense of what happens next or what happened back then or however the story is structured. It tells its own little part of the story. And the whole story is, of course, better if everyone, whatever their part, performs with purpose and passion on the basis of all that sort of practice and preparation. Right, you can see where this is going already, can't you? But, but let's keep pressing on. So our theme for Glocal, as, as Luke reiterated, thanks Luke, uh, and thanks also for that wonderful acknowledgement of country, but also that reflection on reconciliation. I mean, reconciliation is such a key theme in the New Testament, and it has a vertical component. It also has this horizontal component. And uh, it was wonderful to hear you share uh, your reflections and to encourage us to continue that work of reconciliation with our Indigenous and First Nations um, uh, brothers and sisters. But our theme last week for Glocal was the unfinished story, uh, as Luke reminded us. And this theme tries to capture the idea that mission started not with the sending of the church in the first instance, but with God the Father sending the Son. And and we see this, of course, in the, in the Gospels, like the book of Luke. And then when the Father and the Son send the Spirit, which we, we see in the book of Acts. And if you're new to the church, this might be kind of unfamiliar language, so apologies there. But it's the idea that God himself comes into the world he made, and which he loves, to overcome its self-destructive independence from him. And he does it to set people back in healthy relationship with himself and with others, including other eth- people of other ethnos, uh, ethnoi it is actually in plural, the other nations, first nations, nations abroad. And he does it also to, to set us in right relationship with himself and the world in which we live, the planet in which we have it. And then as Jesus finishes his ministry of reconciliation, Jesus sends the church then in the power of the Spirit, under the leadership of the Spirit, starting as we saw last week uh, in Jerusalem where the church was born on the day of Pentecost. By the way, happy Pentecost Sunday. Today is, is Pentecost Sunday. So happy Pentecost Sunday. And the church was kind of born, if you like, In that moment, the church under the leadership of the Spirit was born as the Spirit came in power and empowered the church for its mission to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And by the time we get to the end of the book of Acts, we can see that that the, uh, the Jesus movement has spread out to some of the four corners of the known world at the time. And particularly, it ends with the, the Jesus movement in the epicenter of the Roman Empire at the time, in Rome, in Caesar's own household, where Paul has managed to get himself, by appealing to Caesar, got managed to get imprisoned in Rome, and is already making connections with people in Caesar's own household. Uh, the rest is history, and we've been over that in, re- in recent uh, months, so I won't go there again. But in another way, the book of Acts doesn't kind of finish It ends, but it doesn't finish. Like there's this big to be continued on the last page, like a a Netflix kind of season finale, which ends with a cliffhanger and you just got to tune in next season to see what happens next. So there's this idea of the unfinished story conveying that the story continues and that it continues even 2,000 years later. 
as the Spirit continues to lead and empower the church today, it can, by God's grace and mercy, that is the church, by God's grace can participate in God's own ongoing work in the world. So that was just a bit of a recap. Gosh, I got a bit sidetracked there, didn't I? Because while we get glimpses from the New Testament of how the story ends, we're not there yet. There are still pages to be written and chapters to unfold. And we see this hinted at in the Apostle Paul's writing in the New Testament itself. He writes in this letter that we call Ephesians, probably a circular letter that went to some of the churches in in what was then called Roman Asia Minor. Today it's modern Turkey, or I think it's now Turkey. Is that right? Turkey. They've just renamed it formally uh, to move away from the bird, right? The turkey thing. Anyway, back to the letter. So, um, So Paul writes this famous verse. He says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do or another version the English standard version says for we are God's workmanship so handiwork oops there we go workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and then this one the new living translation uh I I like this translation because I think it captures something of the spirit of the Greek which it's translating here. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And the reason that I think that captures the spirit of the text is that behind the English word which is translated variously, handiwork, workmanship, masterpiece, is the Greek word poiema. Who's heard this before, by the way? Yeah, okay. So, poiema. What English word comes from poiema? Poem. It comes directly, well, via, uh, via French, I think. But anyway, it comes eventually into the English as poem from poiema. And poiema... Uh, uh, had this sense of poem. It, it, it meant poem, but not in the modern sense of poem, not a five-line limerick or a kind of one-page poem. These great epic sagas of the ancients where poems were scrolls and scrolls and scrolls like Homer's Odyssey or I think the Icelandic sagas, they came a bit later, of course, but the same style of poem, these epic poems that tell these great narratives, these great sweeping stories. And they are works of art, Uh, Many of them uh, think a grand opera like, I don't know, who's into opera here? Okay, so definitely not cool. Uh, (laughs) Who's ever heard of Wagner's uh, The Ring Cycle? It says, oh, okay, I'm I'm cool with three people. That's... (laughs) That's encouraging. So this vast opera, I think it's like five hours long or something. Is that right? It's done over three. Anyway, so think that kind of epic or Michelangelo's painting of the Sistine Chapel or Beethoven's great works, his great concertos and opus, that kind of of thing, works of art. And that's kind of what this translation perhaps captures a little bit of. So from Ephesians, though, what we might say is that we are part of God's great epic saga his masterpiece poem. And we can also say that according to Ephesians 2.10, each of us 
has a part to play in that. Good things which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good things he planned for us long ago. Now, we're not going to get into the mystery of all of that, the question of free will and determinism and all those kind of things. We're not going to go there today. There's mystery about how this happens. But nevertheless, it can be deeply encouraging to us. Now, imagine if you're new to church or you're exploring faith or you're just here to keep mum happy uh, or your partner, please, something like that. Maybe this is kind of a new and strange idea for you. But even if you're not a follower of Jesus, think of it as a history itself continuing to be written even as we live and we've got a sense of that recently right with the pandemic maybe the war in Ukraine these feel like kind of great historic moments that we're living through in our own lifetimes but think of about history that's unfolding and and you and I too are part of that history of the world even if sometimes we feel kind of too small to be noticed by the history books well for the next couple of weeks we're just going to press into this theme a little bit more so this week we're focusing on finding and playing your part in this great epic narrative of the world today. And then next week, we're going to look at our collective part, those of us who identify as part of New Vine Church, uh, and there's many of us here today for whom that's the case. What's our part in God's great unfinished story? What's our part for the coming 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years? Here's the heart of my argument this morning. Uh, you can uh, write it down and then go home if you wish. Uh, here it is, I'm giving it to you as succinctly as, as, as is in my lexicon to do. Finding and playing your part in the unfinished story of God's good work in the world can help you live with purpose, passion, and joy, however big, small, or mundane your vocation and location might be. Whether you're a big player or a bit player, you have an invaluable part to play in God's great unfolding masterpiece. So that's where we're going this morning. But don't go home, uh, even though I've given it to you, because we are extremely fortunate this morning to have with us uh, Esther Scarborough, Esther and her husband Peter are local partners with us, and uh, so is their ministry, which they run, uh, Hohidii in Indonesia. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hear from Esther now. So would you please make Esther feel very welcome. Hi, Esther, let me get you a microphone here. There we go. So good to see you and have you with us. Thank Let's you. Let's pop up on, on, on up here. We've gone on the high stage, so everyone hopefully can see us. Can you see us down the back there? Good. It's so nice to have you with us. Yep. You've just been actually up with our kids. Yes, that was great. And then you're going to run back again after, yeah. after this. So thank you. Uh, well, for the sake of visitors or those who are new to New Vine, uh, since you've been with us last, can you maybe describe Hohidii for us and, and what it aims to do and what it, what it does do? Okay. So Hohidii is on a tiny island in Indonesia. We have a medical work uh, for those that can't afford med good medical care. We take in children that are in certain needy categories. So they have to be not just children who are poor, but they have been abused or some sort of serious issue that they need to be coming to our care. And we put them into foster homes. 
and uh, some get adopted permanently. And then we have a school that's bilingual, English and Indonesian. And we have uh, mobile clinics and we go out to tribal areas. And most of all, we share about Jesus. And uh, you started Hohideo with your husband, Peter. Yeah. How did you guys meet? And tell us a bit about your family. Yeah, sure. I was 15 when I met my husband at a youth camp and he was 16. We were childhood sweethearts and we married at 19 and 20. We have five biological children, but we have 14 children altogether and 19 grandchildren. So we have very big family. I'm very rich in family. Uh, we've had an awesome marriage and, yeah, we, we're just great partners, yeah. And what's your own professional background, Esther? I was a dental nurse first and now I'm a nurse, so, yeah, medical. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to know more about your, your journey then uh, from your professional training, um, mm -hmm. uh, your, your walk with Peter. Uh, as, we, as we think about finding our part in you know, God's work in the world today, his good work in the world, what, what was your journey in that direction? How did you start to sense that maybe God was calling you to play uh, yeah. a key part in that? Right. Well, my mother was a very big influence in my life that she was extremely evangelical. So she would share Jesus with the plumber, with the gardener or whatever, whoever came. She would always share Jesus. She, she'd leave tracks for the milkman and, you know, um, she, she did religious education in the school. And so I, I just saw that the most, she used to say different quotes to us. There's several quotes I remember. Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? And we'd... Ha we'd you know, try to be honest whether we prayed or not. And the other one was, um, only what's done for Christ will last. What's that one about? Yeah, only what's done for Christ will last anyway is the main thing. So I had this evangelical that we needed to share Jesus. That was the purpose of our life. That's sort of how I was brought up. Love Jesus and share Jesus. So uh, when I married Peter, we... I actually wanted to be a farmer's wife. I loved animals and farms. And, and I married a guy who was a farmer, but he wasn't a farmer. He was an accountant off a farm. But um, I didn't quite get the farm thing. But then we went to church one day and heard about... It's worked out all right. Yeah. We heard about tribal uh, missionaries and, and tribes asking to hear about Jesus. And because I had this indwelt thing that everybody should know about Jesus, I was like... There's people that don't know about Jesus but want to know when actually in Australia it's even hard to get people to want to listen. But I used to share at school and have Bible studies in primary school in my backyard. I was like so, you know, proactive. But now it was like, and that's hard work because not everybody wants it, but this was like there's people that want it and don't have it. And so we just sort of looked at each other and said, when will we'll go? And it was like at that time God put that seed in our heart that we must go. So we set on a path to go to Bible college and to um, go overseas. So if I can just pause there for a moment. So uh, you had that sense to go, mm. that sense of calling we might mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. uh, but then there was a time of preparation before oh, yeah. you went. Tell us a little bit about that. Well that went really for years because we went to Bible college and then um, we had to sort of find our way. First of all he had to finish his accounting and uh, they say it takes on average seven years from when you get a call to when you go. And we wanted to be properly prepared. So we got good preparation and, yeah, it just was a pathway. And then you have to raise your support and, yeah, it was a bit of a process. And uh, have you, once you've had that call that you then prepared over many years uh, to go, have you carried that same calling, precisely the same calling the whole time, had there been sort of course corrections or changes to that? What's been your experience there? Right. Uh, 
pretty much Indonesia's in my heart and has never left my heart. I think God birthed that, definitely. In the early days, we both used to look at each other and say, let's go. And the other one would say, has God said? No. All right. Because it was hard. It was really hard at first. And then, you know, another day he'd be like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'd be like, has God said that? No. Oh, all right. He even looked for jobs one time and found one in Papua New Guinea or something. But um, we never Close, did. Close, but not quite yeah. Indonesia. Right? But then, um, so we always felt God had Indonesia in our hearts and this was where we should be. So we've never changed from that. But there was a period where we, we went to some conferences. I've also been to Africa, to Cambodia. I've done some different mission things. And I think that's really important because we need to see what else is happening and get ideas and get fresh you don't want to be the missionary that went, you know, 20 years ago and you're still doing the same thing that, you you know, that might not be any longer effective. You've got to change with the times and you've got to see what God is doing in the world and how he's doing it. I, we did get really touched going to um, conferences in Singapore with Heidi Baker and that crew. And that really set us on a, a path of revival and prayer and worship. And so we definitely changed. We became more worshipful. We have evening, we have a devotion every morning, which is more like a traditional sort of devotion and sharing. And then at night, we just have free worship and prayer. And we really saw many, many people come to Jesus and healings and incredible like freedom in in the spirit like that. So there has been some changes, but basically we're committed to Indonesia. And if God tells us to go somewhere else, we will, but we don't feel free to. Yeah. Um, Esther, reflecting on what we're talking about this morning, uh, many of us who, who don't have uh, that same calling to full-time international uh, mission, uh, like yourself and Peter and, and your wonderful team, uh, can, can look at people like yourselves as, as in a kind of a special category, kind of in awe and wonder uh, of you. <laughs> That's right, superheroes of the faith. But what about, for those, what would you say to those people who don't necessarily have that same calling, but are may, maybe called to live out their mission, their part in God's story in a different location or vocation well we're no superheroes i assure you and we're not we're not any more godly i used to think that when i was younger that missions must be godly and must be perfect but we're not we're extremely the same it's just we've obeyed this call our call now i don't know what your call is whether it's to your neighborhood or to what you're doing you know but all i can say is we all should not be living for ourselves we've got to die to self i don't mean get downtrodden but die to self and live for others now whether that's in your own community in your own family in your own workplace um you know we just our lives aren't about ourselves so we've we follow jesus's example to lay down our life for others and it's such a short life and as I get to nearly 60 I'm like wow what else haven't I done God like Schindler's List and he said just one more if I'd sold this brooch just one more or I'd you know for those who've seen Schindler's List he saved lots of Jews and it was just one more and I think about those that don't know Jesus it's like just one more give me just one more so I think that um yeah, you can be true to the gospel wherever you are, whether you're sharing with your neighbour or, you, you know, whoever it is. Just be bold to share the gospel. And um, for giving, I can't do a lot of what I do if I didn't have money. That is the reality. And I thank the church here for giving every year to Hohidiai because that enables us to reach out, take medicines, go give, and people come to know Jesus every week. And 
it's only, if there's no people backing us back home, you know, if everybody's buying their third boat or something and, and not giving to mission, well, realistically, we, we're, our hands are tied. Whereas dollars from here make a big difference and we can bless people and, and help people and change their lives. And the kids going through our school are coming out now, some of them at the end of school, and they're going to university and they're getting on fire for God and it's so beautiful to see. And it's because of consistent years of giving to all our partners, so praying, giving and going short-term teams we love short-term teams but whatever you do with with your life it, it's there's needs everywhere in the world I just happen to be of being called to Indonesia but you respond to the needs and don't live for yourself live for everyone else well certainly a, a joy for us to be able to partner with you in what sometimes feel like a very small way we, we would love to be able to contribute oh, more awesome. but uh, it's, it's certainly wonderful to partner with you in what you're doing the, the wonderful things you're doing and the fruit that you're seeing born there. I'm just wondering, um, what, uh, what's happening for you and Peter at the moment and for Hohidii? Uh, what can be, we be walking with you through and in, and mm. how can we do that? Well, my husband's had three mirac miraculous healings in his life, truly, seriously, big miracles. But right now he's got Parkinson's. Now he's still very with it, but um, that's very devastating for us because we really need him. He's not only a big spiritual force, but you know, uh, organisations can fall if their money's not right and he's the accountant and although we've trained locals, we really love his brain for the money. So um, I'd like you to pray that we will get a miracle healing for him. Uh, on the property, we're going out to the tribal areas, we're, you know, witnessing, just keep praying that fruit will continue. Um, pray for the right staff for us. We're short of staff. There's a huge mine in our area which has taken a, a lot of staff from the island in all areas, drivers, builders, cooks, everything. So we're quite short. We'd love teams. We are desperate for teams. We want any boots on the ground. There's so much you can do to help us from repairs to helping read with kids in English to everything. Because of COVID, we've had no teams and we really want teams. Or if somebody wants to volunteer to come for three months, say they're retired, it really helps us. It really holds our hands up. Don't think, oh, that maybe I better give the money and not go. We want people to go. So, yeah. Um, pray for those to come into the kingdom that we're witnessing to. Pray for strength for the staff. Some of the staff are pretty tired. And pray for more people to come and help us. We want teachers desperately and handymen. Uh, lots of opportunities there. Yeah. Well, um, we'll be praying about those opportunities yeah. and uh, continuing to walk with you. Any, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? I'll tell you a really, really quick story. Please. And if any of you got computers at home, I need computers for my kids. So one lady sold her land so she could buy a computer for a kid to use at uni. And our kids are all going to uni now and starting to. And we need your old computers that are a bit slow. Just, that's just a point. Contact Lysander and get computers to us. The, if, you, if I could get them today, that'd be great. But I want to tell you this really quick story. So there was a guy, we have a local mine that was run by Australia. It's now been sold, but a guy came up to our place and he said he wanted to give the safety award. I was in the garden. I didn't want to go up and see him, but I was like, oh, all right, God, I'll change my shirt. And it was on a Saturday. I walked him around. He was an Aussie with a big long beard and smoke-stained moustache and he, were, he had a tooth missing or something, you know. Anyway, I showed him around for half an hour and he saw the children's homes, the hospital, everything. And then he comes into the library and he looked me in the face and he said, okay, Esther, I've got one question for you. And I said, oh yeah, 
why do you do this? And I looked at him and, you know, it's like an Aussie and it's like, do I just tell him that, well, I'm a nurse and I think I can be better useful here than in Australia or I, I like to help people or... And all these thoughts are flashing and then I just said, it's Jesus. I just love Jesus and want people to know the love of Jesus. And he's like, okay, thanks. And off he went. Anyway, he sent an email that afternoon and said to my, that, to my husband and he said, I have been a Baptist pastor 30 years ago. I got bitter with the church and today I saw Jesus is alive and well in the jungles of Indonesia. Wow. And he said, I've come back to the Lord. Yeah. So I tell you that story to encourage you. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be ashamed. People actually in Australia do want hope. They do want something. Don't be ashamed. The worst you're going to get is they're going to think you're a bit stupid. But, you know, the, the best you're going to get is they come back. And the wife wrote to us and thanked us and said, I've prayed for my husband for 30 years. And I thought oh my goodness, what if I hadn't said, you know? So there's a time to act and show the good works of Jesus and there's a time to speak. So that's, that's my last story. That's, that's wonderful, Esther. Thank you so much. Um, before you go, I wonder, uh, we hadn't scripted this in the um, service plan, but I wonder whether, where's San? Is Lysander nearby? San, would you run down quickly and pray with us? And James from our local team, James, would you come and, and stand with us while... Uh, Lysander prays for Esther and Peter and Hohidi. Um, Lysander is part of our lead team, our governance group, and James uh, on our uh, global team. Uh, I might ask if Lysander would pray. And thank you again so much for caring to help. Like I say, without money, we're tied. Without your prayers, we'd crumble. So thank you. You're very valuable to us. And even if you don't know me, I love you in the Lord and I thank you. Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of Esther and Peter in their heart and their service to, to you and to the people of Indonesia. And just thank you also that we as a church have had the tremendous privilege to journey and to support and be a part of their work as well. That uh, some of her stories are, are our stories, and we just thank you for that. Lord, may you just you know, pour out your great blessing, your Holy Spirit, the, the healings that are sought, the needs that are wanting to be met. We, just, we turn to you, Lord. You are the great provider. You are the great I am. And we just pray that your faithfulness would just shine upon Esther, uh, that she would continue to radiate for you. This deep sense of peace would overwhelm her heart uh, as she serves and follows you. So thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we're going to the mini-bees. Did you want to pray, James? I'll just pray. Pray, pray for Peter. Uh, Father, I just uh, thank you for our, um, our brother Peter, um, for his service, uh, for the gospel. I uh, pray, O oh God, that in, in his uh, current medical condition, we ask um, on Pentecost Sunday that you would do a mighty work, mighty work of healing in, in, his, uh, in his body, that he would be fully restored in the name of Jesus, that he would be given many years to serve you uh, in this land. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, uh, Esther is running off to mini bees now. Please put your hands together once again. <laughs> Esther, so lovely to have you in this. And let me see if I can wrap this all up uh, in the uh, 
few minutes remaining. Uh, wonderful to hear from Esther. Uh, a, few, a few kind of takeaway points uh, this morning. Uh, by the way, there's Peter, if you haven't yet seen a picture of Peter. Uh, a few takeaway points. Maybe God is calling you, like Peter and Esther, to start or lead a mission or a ministry, maybe move abroad and serve in a, in a significant way in missions. Or maybe God's calling you to support the sort of work that Peter and Esther and many of our other local partners or people like them are, are doing through giving, going on a short-term visit, and, of course, through praying. But whether you play a big part or a bit part in this great story of God's work around the world, you play an important part. And this is true because we see this in the Bible, if you like. Uh, the story, of course, the Scriptures centers around Jesus. The Old Testament looks forward to and is fulfilled in Jesus. The New Testament kind of looks back to his coming and then ahead to how the story ends. But around Jesus, there are many other kind of key supporting roles people hear about a lot, like Peter, Paul, Mary, Mary, Mary. Lots of Marys, isn't there? Mary, Martha, Mary, Mary. Anyway, lots of those important parts. And same in the Old Testament, Abraham, Moses, David, so on. But in amongst all of those big parts, even in the Scriptures, are thousands of bit parts. People who come onto the stage for a moment and then we hear nothing much more from them. In fact, someone's counted and there's 3,237 named characters in the Bible. Tolstoy managed 500 in War and Peace and the Bible has six times or more that. But the bit parts matter. And if we had time, we could look at some of these like um, uh, uh, Matthias, Matthias was kind of like the replacement apostle. He was like the medical sub. When um, Judas suffered what we might call a gastrointestinal issue, um, he was sort of subbed in from a coin toss, uh, which is a bit strange. But we won't spend too much time on there. Think also about Barnabas. Good on you, AJ. That was awesome last week. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. But actually, who I just want to share about briefly is, is this character. And you probably have heard this story before if you've been around the church. But Andrew, one of the apostles, what else do we know about Andrew? He was brother of Peter. He was a brother of Peter, one of the 12 apostles. Yet we don't hear that much about Andrew except two really important things. He steps onto the stage and does two important bit part pieces. One, he's the one who introduces Peter to Jesus. He brings Peter and introduces him to Jesus. And the rest, of course, is history. And the other thing that he does is that he's the one who brings the little boy with his loaves and fishes. And sets the stage for Jesus to do something amazing. Bit parts matter, not just the big parts. What's your bit part in the story? And secondly, not only do big parts and bit parts represent important parts, 
But whether or not you're called to missions, that idea of maybe going abroad, serving full-time, etc., which is an important and special vocation to which some of you may be called here, and maybe God is speaking to you by His Spirit even today about that. But whether or not you are called to missions, you still have a part to play in God's mission in the world. Sometimes when we talk about mission, we can create a couple of wrong impressions. One, that that mission or even ministry is a special calling that only some people receive. And that ordinary jobs don't count in that. Well, I want to say that while some of us are called to do that mission work, either abroad or at home, God, by His grace, invites all of us into the work that He's doing, regardless of our vocation and our location. Mission is as much a mindset as it is a job or a profession. God's mission, God's work in the world is His doing. But by His grace, He invites us to take whatever tools, whatever talents, whatever He has given us and wired in us, wherever He has placed us vocationally or locationally, geographically or else, He invites us to use those things as part of His great epic poem that is unfolding in history around us. Francis Schaeffer once said, There are no little people and no little places. In God's kingdom. Whoever you are, whether you feel like you've got only loaves and fishes to offer, Jesus can take that and do something amazing in his story. And that brings us to the third point, and that is um, I wrestled with how to try to articulate this, and I'm no expert on all of this, but this is my attempt. Going is important, but staying, or sometimes waiting, is also important. Esther even shared with us about how there was a period for her and Peter of preparation, of waiting to go. And maybe today you are waiting and wanting to go. You're you're ready. You feel like you're ready. God, where do I go? When can I go? How do I go? And he just calls you to wait. But maybe also you have that experience a little bit like Lou and I have had, and that is that even though we, we're kind of ready to go, want to go, God actually says, stay. I want you to stay. Lou and I have often felt like Newcastle's kind of like a, a holding pattern or a holding pen for us. We've lived abroad a few times and we've had our mental bags packed, ready to go a number of times. But it's become clear to us that God actually wants for us to stay and be part of the work that he is doing here and now. So for you, God may be calling you to go. He may be short-term, long-term, two weeks, three months, as Esther said. And if you're in a position to do that, brilliant. Let me encourage you to stir that up. But it's also possible that God might be saying, stay, you can be part of my plan and my purpose and the story that I'm telling right here right now and by the way while you're earning that income you can give while you've got 15 minutes of a morning you can pray 
So going is important, but staying can also be important depending on your part in the plot line. Well, that brings us to these sort of questions. How do we find, how do we know, how do we play our part in the unfinished story of God's good work in the world? What part are we meant to play and how are we to know? Well, I can't necessarily answer that question for each of us here because it's different for each of us. I think the answer is different. And often it's through a period of wrestling and praying and seeking and striving that we hear that. Or we have a sense in our soul of what we are meant to be doing. And it might be that you've wrestled sometimes because what you feel like you were made to do doesn't always feel like mission or evangelism or ministry or anything like it just feels like an ordinary job like i'm a nurse or i'm a medical practitioner or i'm an educator or i'm a hairdresser or i'm um, I'm a full-time parent and you might feel like well you know but maybe that's precisely where god wants you to be but he wants you to do it knowing that you are part of this big story knowing that that calling has purpose and meaning and can have joy and passion as well. So let me just sort of close with a few key questions that might just help you wrestle with uh, these, uh, these ideas. The first one is, is a sort of a check to run through your prayers and your reflection and your thinking. Are you in the right vocation? And again, I want to affirm this morning that any vocation or profession, well, almost any vocation or profession, there's probably a few exceptions. Generally speaking, any vocation or profession can be drawn into God's own work in the world. Environmental scientist, palliative care physician, small business owner, nurse teacher, like I've mentioned. But sometimes a change of vocation can better position you to serve God's work in the world. It might be a time of training go to college or back to university to train for a vocation that will take you into um, a a place where you can be that play that part that God has for you I know a businessman who when retiring in his early 60s a couple of uh, five ten years ago retrained as a family law barrister so that he could do low fee and pro bono uh, domestic violence cases um so that he could do this for women suffering from domestic violence or abuse. A change in vocation. Uh, and by the way, he was, as I say, he was sort of in his 60s. You're never too old. Craig Grishel, pastor of Life Church that does all of the church online sort of platforms and the, the Bible app and all of that. Craig Grishel says, if you're not dead, you're not done. You still have a bit to play. You still have an important bit to play, and it's the same if you're young. Anyway, I'll press on. Are you in the right vocation? Are you in the right location? Sometimes we have a profession or a trade or a set of skills that if we move them over from here to over here, we're better positioned to play a a, a powerful part in, in God's story. If you're a teacher, maybe you could spend three months at a hohidii or a nurse or a builder Or maybe you could go and work in an indigenous community rather than a well-paid sort of city job where it's comfortable and so on. There are so many possibilities when we think about, am I in the right vocation and am I in the right location? But, But perhaps most important of all is the mindset that we live with in this space. 
And so this question is, do you have a masterpiece mindset? What I mean by that is seeing yourself intentionally, having the perspective, putting on the lenses to see yourself and your work and your role and your time, however humble or grand it might be, See yourself in the great unfolding story being written by the master author. It means listening for the leading of the Spirit, looking for those opportunities for the good works that God has prepared for you, that He has written into the pages of His great epic saga still to be outworked. It means rather than just looking to advance your career, looking to advance God's great story of reconciliation as He brings all things together under Christ. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, and all of this seems a little bit strange, and you can't quite get your head into it, or it's not resonating with you, even if you're, you're that person, then living intentionally to make a positive and constructive contribution to human well-being can still give you a sense of purpose, even though we'd suggest that knowing the author of the story and having hope in how the story ends makes it far, far more meaningful. Well, let me shift from serious DJ to... Um, Inspiration DJ as the kids come back in. I'm going to try anyway. Oh, I shouldn't have told you that, should I? I should have. It kind of wrecks the effect now. Um, now you know what you're... Anyway, so whatever your vocation, whatever your location, big part or bit part in God's story, understanding that you are a part of something bigger, of something wonderful, can help you live with purpose and passion. It can help you practice and prepare in fact, in the upside-down economy of God's kingdom, who's to say that a bit part isn't a big part? Maybe you're an Andrew bringing your brother or your sister or your neighbor or your friend to Jesus and the rest will be history. Regardless, God is putting it all together into a divine masterpiece greater than all of Michelangelo's paintings, all of Beethoven's concertos, all of Shakespeare's sonnets and plays put together, an epic saga from beginning of time to the end of time. And what that great story asks of us is to intentionally accept that divine invitation, to practice our lines, to prepare our parts and our hearts, and then to step on stage no matter how big or small, our part with passion and with purpose. Martin Luther King put it like this. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets as Michelangelo painted, as Beethoven composed music, or as Shakespeare wrote poetry, he should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Well, what's your part? Last week, at the end of our service, we invited you to take a jigsaw puzzle and to write on it something that you feel God might be putting on your heart to do in the coming 12 months. 
And we've got some puzzle pieces. If you weren't here or you, you didn't get to stick your puzzle piece up or you'd like to write another one and stick it up, we've got more puzzle pieces down the back. Let me encourage you to go down to that back table down there just in front of where all the puzzle pieces are on the wall. Take a puzzle piece and write whatever it is on your heart. What can you give to help us support our partners like Esther and Peter? Can you go next door across the street or to our next door neighbor nations like Indonesia and beyond? And will you commit to pray for people like Peter and Esther and also to pray and seek after God for the part that you can play? And when you sweep streets in your own vocation, may you sweep it like you are part of a masterpiece because you are. Let me pray. Lord, those of us who seek to be followers of Jesus, seek to be his disciples, seek to be his witnesses, would you help us to open our ears and our hearts to what you would say? Words of encouragement about the part that we can play. Words of challenge and perhaps conviction if we need to move a little or a lot in our hearts or our lives or our professions or geographically, whatever it might be. The spirit who was poured out on the church in its infancy 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost, we believe that you are still here today and you can pour out on us your leading, your power, your guidance, your wisdom, your goodness and your spirit in a powerful manifest way. Holy Spirit, would you lead us to listen, to give, to go, to pray and live our lives as if we are part of a masterpiece because we are. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to ask the band if they would come and, and uh, we've run out of time for another song and I do apologize there, but I'll just ask them if they could play quietly uh, that song again. Uh, to give us some time to reflect and maybe to go and write and put it on the wall. If you want to take a puzzle piece away again this week and give it another week's thought and prayer, please do that as well. We'll leave that up again until next week when we revisit this theme once again and talk about what we can do as a church. But if you know what's on your heart, I'd encourage you to write it up and put it there now. And the band's going to play for a few minutes and then... Uh, Feel free to, to, to do what you need to do with God. Come and pray with us if you, if you want some prayer. Make sure you pick up your kids from Mini Bees and Crash if you haven't done that already. Please do that uh, quickly if you could because they'll be ready for you. And uh, God bless you this week as you find your place in God's story. Amen.